Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of uh, Cricket with an Accent. This is Saqib Ali hosting the show and today I have the absolute uh, pleasure of hosting one of uh, our favorite writers, Ayasa, uh, back to the show. Uh, this is his third time, so I must be doing something right that if I can bring bring him and convince him again. Welcome to the show, sir. How are you? <laughs> very well, Saqib. Very well. Thanks a lot. Uh, since last time you came, the podcast has kind of taken off. I think, you know, one good name brings another good name. So I guess the referral system has worked. So I just want to thank you on air for, you know, giving me a chance. I mean, I still do this as a hobby, but I do take uh, pride like a semi-professional and, you know, there's some uh, some credibility, but, you know, I'm not <laughs> a professional yet. Uh, so again, the conversation today is uh, going to be based on the recently concluded uh, India-England series. Uh, there's a lot of narratives going on, but we'll try to focus on the actual cricket. So, uh, 3-1, this is a scoreline many expected. There was a whitewash expected, but, you know, here we are after losing the first test in, in Chennai. And uh, so, what is, uh, how, how do you recall, you know, what your thoughts were before this series and uh, did everything go to plan uh, in terms of scoreline and some of the performances? Runs for India did not come through the usual uh, patterns, right? The top batsmen, you know, didn't flourish like they usually do. So, what is your uh, what is your comparative report card comparing expectations to the results? Well, Sakib, I think when you look back in hindsight, the result is you know something that most Indian fans would have expected and certainly wanted a three-one result because the last time England came to India, they were, they lost uh, you know zero-four. So, in that sense, it's it's up to expectations, but. It's not. It wasn't that easy, especially when India lost the first Test match and by a whopping margin, I think 217 runs. And that time, the fear was not just that you might not end up winning the series, but also that you know if you don't win the series, you don't qualify for the World Test Championship. So it would have been a double whammy. And I think that the recovery from that first Test debacle has been really strong. It's been impressive. It's uh, you know it's it's showcased. The resilience of the team, the, the fighting abilities to come back uh, from the dumps or from a crisis. And also what it has shown is the richness of young talent available in India. I mean, you know, Akshar Patel playing his first series, gets 27 wickets. Look at the progress made by Rishabh Pant. He's been around for a few years, but he's only, what, 22, 23. And Washington Sundar at 21, you know, everybody knew him as, a, as, a, as an off-spinner. All-rounder, yes, but basically an off-spin bowler. And here he is, almost got his maiden test century, missed it by four runs. But 181 runs in the series, you know, averaging what? Almost 90 because he had a couple of not-outs. And not just that, the poise with which he batted, the temperament he showed. I think it's showing, uh, you know, to me, what's been most impressive and I'm looking at it as, as an overview of the entire season. The way India fared in Australia, down in the dumps, bowled out for 36, you know, uh, uh, almost everybody predicting a 4-0 whitewash, including you know players of the caliber of a Ricky Ponting and a Shane Warne and Mark Waugh, all saying, this is it, India can't recover from there. And hey, they went on to win that series. And win that series with so many regular players not playing, not around. Even in this series, as you mentioned at the start, not too many runs from Pujara, Kohli or Rahane. And yet, India ended up on the winning side. Yes, the pitches were helping the spin bowlers. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's I think, uh, fair income. When you come to the subcontinent, you have to learn to play the bowling or the pitches that exist here. I personally was not very happy with the, with the pitch for the day-night match because any match which ends in under two days 
actually is a disservice to fans and players. You know, if, if the batsmen especially, it becomes a lottery. Remember, India also were bowled out for 145 in the first innings in that match. But when you look at it in the overall context, you can say that, see that as a blip or, you know, as an aberration. The other pitches were not high-scoring pitches, thankfully, because you want results in matches. You don't want the old runway type of pitches that you used to, we, we would get in India where teams would score 500 and the other team would make 600. And then, you know, the team batting first, batting second makes another 450. And, you know, over five days, about 20 wickets have been lost. You don't want that. So, these were competitive pitches. England came prepared for that. They had planned their itinerary well. They went to Sri Lanka before coming to India. Won both the test matches there. Came here with Jack Leach and Dom Best in good form. They had Moeen Ali. I mean, look, I mean, when, when I look back now, I think they made a, made a hash of things. After winning the test, first test, I think they, they tried to kind of hold on to the lead, sit on the lead. And you can't do that on Indian pitches. You'll get exposed very soon. You have to then go out and bat or play in a more foresight manner and try and win the season. I mean, there was nobody who was with the attacking instinct of a Kevin Peterson. You know, Peterson won the help win the series in 2013 with his he took the attack to the spinners. There was Alistair Cook who dropped Root there, much as Joe Root was doing here. But there was nobody else to support Joe Root. Even Ben Stokes looked, you know, a pale shadow of himself. So Overall, India just emerged far superior in batting and bowling, even tactically, in terms of choosing the players, right players for the pitches. All in all, a very comprehensive win. Sure. No, I think you mentioned quite a lot there. And, <coughs> and India being superior is key, right? And, and like if we've uh, seen uh, many great test sites in the past that have become dominant teams, which India is today, uh, you know, when chips are down or in tough uh, scoreboard situations, different players have raised hands and, you know, in India, in this series and in Australia, we've seen not only like some of the regulars were missing in Australia and now this trend continues here with uh, Washington Sundar uh, coming in and, you know, playing like a proper batsman. Uh, so w- what is your view on, you know, his his coming, I don't want to say coming of age, but whatever we've seen in the red ball format, he's, he's delivered. He was seen as a T20 uh, not specialist, but a guy who was showing his skills in the T20 arena. And then he, you know, gets to play a couple of tests and has a very meaningful contribution to the bat and didn't even have to bowl here in the second innings. So, uh, talk about that. Yes, I think, look, uh, this is interesting because uh the chosen as an all-rounder. In fact, he wouldn't have played in Australia had the players, had so many senior players not got injured. He was there for the white ball contests. And then he would have come back. But because of COVID and, you know, nobody wanted a back and forth of players. So, they retained those players to remain on tour. He got his opportunity there. And what clearly emerged from from the time he stepped onto the field in Test cricket is that he's got the poise. He's got the demeanour of, you know, of, of being a Test player. He understands what it means to play Test cricket. What has been revelatory, of course, is the way he's batted. And I think here is also to do with the... Uh, you know, the the absence of information a lot of players, uh, a lot of people and critics and experts had about what, what Washington Sundar is about. So, in under-19 cricket, he was actually playing in the top order. He's been an opening batsman. He's used to playing the new ball. Then, of course, he acquired, you know, more credentials as a uh, as an off-spin bowler with, in white ball cricket. But he actually has, he's been weaned as a batsman. He's grown up 
as a, uh, as a youngster being a batsman. So he's got the technical ability to go and play and he's got the temperament to go and play long ends. Much as, you know, the other player I want to highlight, we've seen more of that coming through, but of course, he's been around for almost a decade, is Ravi Chandran Ashwin. He also started his career, at least as a junior cricketer, as a batsman. And he started bowling much later and off-spin even later than that because initially, because he was a big-made guy, he tried to bowl fast. And then he became an off-spinner. So, I'm what I'm saying is that some of these guys are very versatile. What is also happening? And this, I think, is really the crux. Somebody like a Washington Sundar or a Muhammad Siraj or Shubman Gill. The super confident confidence that they're showing is not false bravado. It's not just make-believe. For instance, Siraj is 26, 25, 26. He's played 17, 18 matches for India under 25. He's been on tour. He's been through these tough, competitive you know, matches where he's built up his own idea and approach to the game. And what also helps is obviously playing in the IPL. And let me tell you how it works in two ways. One is that the IPL is extremely demanding. It's not a test match. It's not even an ODI match. It's not a first-class match. It's basically a 2020 slam bang. But if you don't have nerves of steel, you cannot survive. It's a very cutthroat environment. So these guys come out very, you know, how do I put it? It's, it's seasoned. In the old days, when we played cricket, we used to season the bat, right? With oil. And that's how you could, you could get the strokes coming out of the bat. This is what Washington Sundar and Siraj and some of these guys are experiencing. If you don't retain your place in the T20 team or the IPT T20 team, you lose a lot of money, you lose some face and you might even lose your place in the Indian team. That's how important IPL become. The second dimension to it, of course, is that you're exposed, you're rubbing shoulders with some of the best cricketers in the world. Unfortunately, the Pakistanis are not here, but otherwise from everywhere else. So, for instance, if Mohammad Siraj is playing for Royal Challengers Bangalore, in the squad is also Dale Stain. Now, Dale Stain had a poor season himself, but he's a you know he's a lion in winter. He's an he's an aging fast bowler. But that doesn't mean that he cannot impart lessons to young budding fast bowlers. He's a great bowler, Stain. And if a young bowler is attentive, seeking information, seeking knowledge, then there can be no better teacher. And Siraj is rubbing shoulders with him for all of two months. In fact, Dale Stain came out and tweeted about Siraj after Siraj did well in Australia. That's a wonderful bowler and he'll go, he'll go places in Indian cricket. So that's how the, you know, the transfer of information and knowledge which happens in the IPL, which has become very, very crucial in the context of how young Indian players are shaping up. Sure. Again, uh, one more on Sundar here. Again, uh, like you mentioned, uh, you know, so sometimes we don't know the actual background of, of a player. Uh, again, Steve Smith would be a very lofty comparison for anyone. But do you see, again, let's go a little bit into prediction mode here. Uh, do you see in a packed Indian batting order, could Sundar one day find himself playing as a proper batsman? Because, you know, he sure does have the skill of a top order bat. Well, you know, that's a very important question. And I think that's, some, that's a question which must be haunting the minds of all those who are in the Indian team today. So, what we have seen this season, uh, Sakeb, is that there's nobody who's indispensable and everybody is replaceable. If Kohli was not there in Australia, the Indian team didn't crumble and lose 0 4. 
they went on to actually win the series and rohit sharma wasn't there for the for the first you know two test matches so the point i'm trying to make is if jadeja is injured there's akshar patel who comes in and takes 27 wickets in his first series yes he's playing at home he's brought up on these on these kind of pitches but even so to hold your nerve to bowl like that and get 27 wickets is fantastic so ashwin uh, i beg your pardon for washington sundar for akshar patel now when jadeja comes back i think he'll walk into the team irrespective of what akshar has done because he's a you know jadeja is a brilliant fielder better batsman and he's also got 200 plus wickets but akshar will be in the squad washington will be in the squad there's some you know dither somewhere some players out of form you you know you end up losing your place and it might be it might become difficult even for the established players to get their position back it's become difficult for mayank agarwal to get his opener slot back after he failed in australia because shubman gill suddenly looks like a classy option or a classier option so that's how tough it has become for cricketers aspiring to play for india it's not easy to get into the squad and once you're there if you don't perform and you're dumped or you're dropped then it's not easy to come back either i mean I, frankly if india if there was if you have to just look at the talent available india can field two very strong test teams right now yeah I, you know I, i've said that i think on one of the shows earlier in the year uh again i'm sure a lot of people have said that i'm not you know claiming it's my line but i think you know if uh, we go back to the packer days when they were like two australian teams i mean maybe the future of test cricket will have india a at some point <laughs> because uh, <laughs> the the pipeline is scary good i mean you know you could put two like you said you could put two units out there and they can be very competitive the second unit might well also be pretty invincible at home so yes So, so so let me ask about the same thing you said about akshar and jadeja so when mohammad shami comes back and if we are you know we have a big series coming up in england i mean and now they are saying siraj can do wonders with the duke's ball so you know what is your prediction who you know what kind of a pace lineup india will have there if everybody's healthy yes so that's going to be a tough call for the for the selectors as well as for the team management more the team management because i think shami if is fully fit will come into the squad uh there's bumrah there's ishan sharma uh you know who's kind of completely recast himself as a test match cricketer now or a test match bowler he's out of white ball cricket and he's just kind of honed his skills further and further 300 plus wickets he's got now there's mohammad siraj and then waiting in the wings look at all the guys who were there bhuvneshwar kumar navdeep saini you know t natarajan so it's it's a and in, in pace bowling and in spin bowling there's a massive crush amongst these players to get into the squad and then get into the playing 11 now the tough call will be as you mentioned in the say in the world test championship final which is going to be played in england we don't know whether it's going to be at lords or somewhere else they're debating the icc or the english england cricket board to have it somewhere else but ishan sharma mohammad shami jasprit bumrah these were your regular bowlers pace bowlers overseas in the last two years now you have suddenly got a mohammad siraj who looks as penetrative uh, you know and maybe a little more uh, vivacious and bubbly because he's a little younger but do you keep him out or do you or you don't now i think that's going to really depend on how what's what's what it's caused i think also is coming through in the performances and if you just read it from the outside that 
the really mentally tough guys are surviving you know in, even in within the team because there's competition within the team itself in indian cricket itself there is humongous competition and very stiff competition so if if shami i mean he may recover physically from his injury but if he does not become mentally stronger and become competitive if he is going to say oh i've got 170 plus wickets and therefore i must be an automatic selection he might have a surprise coming for him because you know siraj and uh, ishant and of course bumrah these are not guys who will give up or who can be removed so easily likewise for the others i mean if shami comes up as a very tough you know ambitious player even after his injury then he comes in he takes wicket somebody will have to sit out because you may play three fast bowlers in england but in india you are not likely to play three fast bowlers so you know only apart from the two that will play the others will have to sit out from test teams so it's getting very tough for players within the within the existing kind of squad of 25 30 to find places in the playing eleven yeah i think the there's a big uh, like, like you said there's a lot of healthy competition among the you know the squad and the probables because no matter who's who gets a chance these days is becoming quite a trend that they are ready for international scene and they come and deliver so yeah it'll be very interesting to see uh, you know if everyone's healthy what kind of lineups we have uh, so let's talk about the indian batting because you know this series was a competition between uh, ashwin akshar patel versus the english spinners and you know Uh, Jackley did a good showing, but uh, Dom Bess and Moin Ali, you know, they came in for some heavy criticism because they they were not consistent enough. And even though in the the Indian top order didn't really you know flourish in their usual excellent manner, uh, so let's compare uh, the two functions here. Uh, you know, are you going to throw the surfaces out if you say the Le- Leeches and Besses of the world, you know, on more than few occasions got the better of the Kohlis and the Pujaras? How do you stack that number? Like uh, not heavy runs from Kohli and Pujara, easily the two most successful players of spin bowling in the world right now. Yeah, I mean that's that's a bit of a downer where India is concerned. Not just not just uh, Pujara and Kohli, but also Rahane, who's otherwise a fine player. I mean, we've I've seen him grow up in domestic cricket, and he's a fantastic player of spin bowling. So he had actually the least runs amongst the top five. Uh, you know, so I thought Kohli. Actually, played a couple of marvelous half centuries. His 62, which he made in one of the earlier Test matches, was technically superb. Perhaps the best example or the best exemplar of technique on how to bat uh, on a, on a turning track. I don't think he got settled in enough. He got a couple of ducks, so you know he didn't get his eye in and all. It's not it's not about finding reasons why he got dismissed. But I think that when he looks back over the last say 15, 18 months. uh you know kohli will will have to kind of re- refocus his sights on making those big scores which made him the phenomena uh that he is you know he hasn't had a century since the 138 i think he made against bangladesh in 2019 yeah, last, november last, last eight tests last, for a century so that's kind of you know yeah, and not just not just test cricket he hasn't got a century in any format not in odis not in t20s well t20s is always difficult but not in any format and that's rare for a uh, for a guy like virat kohli uh pujara i thought had a had a bit of a slump and surprising slump in in the home series against england compared to australia i thought he may not have made as many runs in australia as he did in 2018 but his influence his impact in this series was enormous in the saving of a test match as well as winning the test match 
So it's not just the volume of runs, but the impact that he created. In India, somehow Jack Leach, you know, seemed to get the better of him most times, uh, which is a bit of a surprise. And knowing Pujara, he will be now in the nets, you know, playing against left-arm spin bowlers in Rajkot or wherever. Or actually, you know, now because he's not part of the white ball squad, so he'll be back home and preparing for the IPL, for which he'll be playing after six seasons uh, for Chennai. But Rahane, again, not getting runs, which is a bit of a surprise. And then again, when you look at... Look, my point is that this English attack wasn't bad. But the manner in which or the tactics or the strategy which was deployed just seemed to make no sense to me. It was very quirky. So, you don't have... uh, You know, you have Jimmy Anderson bowling his team virtually to a win. I mean, one magnificent spell in the first test match. Then not playing the second match. And then Mohin Ali is part of the squad, but is not playing the first match. Dom Best picks up four wickets in the first match, is dropped from the second match. Mohin Ali has a, you know, not such a great test match, but he picks up eight wickets. And because he's been suffering from COVID and not been exposed, not had enough practice, etc., he's obviously a bit rusty. He gets eight wickets and then he's packed off to England. And Butler, who's looked in good nick in the first test match, is packed off to England. Johnny Bairstow comes in. And the moment he sets his sights, his sights on Ashwin, he's like a guy mesmerized. You know, his eyes are popping out because he can't read Ashwin at all, which is a bit of a surprise to me because he has played Ashwin so often, especially in the IPL. But it's the, that's what I meant that mentally there was a almost like an abject surrender that you know walk into the field. Good God, these are spinning pitches. We cannot survive. We lose, and they lost. Now. Mm. Hark back to 2013, where India thrashed England in the first test match at Ahmedabad. And then England fought back through Pet Peterson, through Cook, through Swan, Graham Swan, through Monty Panesar, and of course Jimmy Anderson in short bursts and in a couple of test matches. Went on to win the series because their tactics were right. What they needed was in this series, I think, somebody like Ben Stokes, because he had the experience and he has the game, to take the attack to the bowlers. They settled for action instead of aggression. I'm not saying blind aggression, but you cannot win against India just playing from the crease over after over, over after over. You're going to get bowled out in 60 overs. Unless you get the closing, you disperse the closing fielders with some attacking strokes, they will be breathing down your neck and that's going to cause you know, the jitters. And then you end up, because you've been, you will get an unplayable delivery on these kind of pitches. You get that delivery, you're gone. And that's where I think England completely missed the plot. Because they kept chopping, changing, going up and down with their players. They just didn't seem to have the self-belief that they could compete after the first test match. And which is a bit of a surprise to me because they won the first test match so handsomely. But, but in all fairness, I think you are absolutely right. I mean, there was, you know, a lot of chopping and changing. And that's why a lot of the English diehard fans are questioning the rotation policy, which is probably pretty imperative given, you know, the COVID biosecure bubbles. And, you know, this is not your normal year, even though it's a full calendar cricket year. It's pretty demanding to stay just, you know, between the ground and the hotel and, and you know, the minimized travel. Uh, so can, can take that into consideration because the butler... You know, I might, I might just like... To, uh... Sakhar, I might just like to add here that the Indian players have been in biosecure bubble for the last six months, starting with the IPL right up to 
still continuing now. So, I mean, you know, at the end of the day, nobody is happy with the biosecure bubble. Everybody is tense. Everybody has a problem. I think, I think that the problem for England was overthinking. You know, it was paralysis by analysis. Yeah. No, I no, think no, that no. that's what happened after the first match. No, absolutely. I was going to add that, that India has been under the same situation. I think it, my point was, uh, it was announced even when they were in Sri Lanka that some of the guys will be going back and some guys will be coming back. So I think they probably, you know, they, they, they didn't realize that, you know, breaking a winning combination may have these kind of repercussions. But again, India is too skilled under these conditions anyway. I don't know if there's any other batting yeah. lineup that would have stood uh, the task of facing uh, Ashwin and Akshar, even even Kohli and Pujara, got, you know, we don't know how how they would have fared against these guys. So, so yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, okay. So let's take this position <laughs> forward. Uh, Virat Kohli's, you know, absolute support and love for the long format has been well documented. He's been on record saying, you know, Test cricket is, you know, you know where you know the ultimate, you know, test is ultimate records are. So, how fitting will that be if India were to secure the inaugural World Test Championship? under Kohli's watch, who's yet to win an ICC title. So, I think, talk about that that probability looming large in June. I think it will be swirling in his mind non-stop. Look, he may have downplayed the World Test Championship, you know, I mean, been in giving sound bites to the media during the course of the series, saying, no, no, we are interested in just winning this test or whatever. But at the back of their minds, and especially Kohli's mind, will be the World Test Championship. It must have played. Look, I think Shastri, Ravi Shastri made an important point. Uh, in defense of his players and his own thing, that the 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 formula for determining which team will go kept changing. So while they were number one last year, yep. suddenly the rules were changed. You know, and the India Australia series became part of the WTC, uh, and and then the England series also. So uh, from number one they slumped to uh, they came to number two or three, and then they had to fight their way back again to number one. So Things have happened. But at the back of their minds was certainly this thing that we must qualify for the World Test Championship. Man Singh, you're absolutely right. It must be annoying within uh, in, in Virat Kohli that he doesn't have an ICC trophy on his on his cupboard, in his cupboard. Uh, he's got fabulous he's got a fabulous record. He's got the most wins by a test captain uh, for India. He's gone ahead of Dhoni. There's everything to suggest that he's been in a way, a very radical captain. The whole fitness regimen that has come in. Uh, and in this series, we saw that when they were beaten in the first test match, he actually, you know, just changed him, himself tactically. Uh, brought bringing on Akshar Patel in the first over or Ashwin. Uh, you know, normal, even when <laughs> going back to Tiger Pathodi's days, even Pathodi would give three or four overs when, you know, to, to a Gavaskar or a Jessima or whoever use the new ball and they would roll the ball along the ground and then try and get the shine off. But there's no pretense in this team. They don't want the shine off. They like the hard ball. Ashwin and Akshar and all these young cricketers have come to appreciate or understand how to use even the new ball. Even in the, in the day-night test, the ball with the lacquer which created havoc in the English ranks is something that, you know, these guys just bowl quite superbly. So, I think Virat is, in my opinion, extremely keen to win the World Test Championship final now that they are in the final. Uh, and the period from now till mid-July or whenever the match is going to be held, I think he'll be dreaming about it every day. And 
kind of working himself into a state of mind as a batsman and as a captain that he gets this victory sure so one last question uh, on the world test championship uh, of course you know there is no shortage of love for cricket in india but overall uh, game the health of the game do you think this world test championship again it's this first edition lot of complications with covid do you think it's going to be a big poster uh, to propel you know the long format in other countries i mean how do you say this because this is not your typical tournament this is played over a year it's still very confusing i mean the rules are out there if you want to know how that table works but overall uh, do you think uh, this will stay on the calendar yes i think look i think there's going to be humongous interest and, and when i say humongous humongous interest if india is interested then obviously 70% of the world's cricket following is interested that's how huge the indian population is but i'll just give you an idea of where i think this world test championship how much interest it is going to arouse india versus australia the series that was played uh, in december and january you know had massive following for the manner in which the series unraveled for the competitive edge for the ups and downs for the seesaw struggle that uh, you know and ultimately of course india going on to win with a you know Uh, uh, almost a rag and bobtail team because most of so many of the senior players weren't there there was no kohli there was no shami there was no jadeja and so on but the interest it just gripped the mind of the entire country and from what i gather and these numbers are out there in the in the public domain that the viewership for certainly for the last uh, you know three test matches from the time the second test was saved even the first one has been perhaps the highest for test cricket not just in the indian context but in the in the overseas context because so many people in australia in england in pakistan they were following this series so avidly because i think everybody realized somewhere that this is becoming an outstanding contest and i think that's where test cricket got a big shot in the arm from that you know that from the, the india versus australia series and now that india is in the final look at the guys i mean you know these are the biggest stars on the on the world stage now we're going to be kohli rohit sharma ashwin uh, bumrah kane williamson trent bolt i mean new zealand may not have the mass following of in australia or in england even now because it's a small country but they've got a fabulous team also so i think this is going to be one heck of a match and i hope that it turns out to be a great contest yeah and in those conditions i think the you know the new zealand team will, will feel at home because you know they they probably like those kind of pitches and seam and swing uh, conditions so uh, let's do a uh, much needed segue here uh, there's a 50 year anniversary of uh, indian legend sunil gavaskar and you know uh, and you know this generation knows a lot about him but i would use your company to explore some of his uh, you know what gavaskar was to to the to the young listenership Uh, of course everything can be google cricket info has a lot of articles there's youtube footage of some of his innings not many so if you were to tell someone you know a 20 year old you know the impact of gavaskar to indian cricket where and how would you begin you know i actually have a i actually have a very simple and a brief way of looking at it so this happened because uh, you know when i was i think this was when sachin was uh, was uh, retiring or was finishing the game in 2013 13-14 season and uh, somebody asked me uh, whether 
would there have been a Virat Kohli if there was no Sachin Tendulkar? And my counter to him was that fan was would there have been a Sachin Tendulkar if there was no Gavaskar? And you see the connection then between a Gavaskar and a Kohli. You know, it's a passing the baton kind of a situation. From from a you know point of view of of, of a player and as an individual, his contribution to Indian cricket, in fact, world cricket has been monumental. Uh, I I remember growing up as a you know as a 15 year old when he went on his first series to West Indies, and uh, you know we'd heard of Gavaskar. I mean, if you're a cricket follower, you read in the newspapers. He made a lot of runs in schools cricket, also universities cricket. And then started playing for Mumbai or Bombay then in, in first class cricket, 68, 69, approaching 70, the 70, 71 series. Uh, he was a name to contend with. But nobody, nobody had imagined what he would end up doing. So what did he do? He missed the first test. He played four test matches, made four centuries, scored 774 runs. And it's a, you know, it's a landmark or a milestone which has still not been bettered. In a debut series to make 774 runs. And suddenly, in India, when you were growing up, you said, gosh, you know, we can do it. These are guys, I mean, not just in cricket. It gave gave you a sort of self-belief that you can venture out into the world and do things which you only thought people from other countries or other better equipped people, better endowed people, people with better resources could achieve. I think that was the great quality that Sunil uh, brought to, to the Indian psyche, the mindset. And then, of course, over 17 years, he's had his aberrations. 36, not out in the first World Cup against England, uh, you know, which is inexplicable even now. And then, of course, almost conceded a match against Oscar 1981. I interviewed him on his 60th birthday. Uh, well, whenever he's, uh, he's going to be 70. Uh, 72 this year, but on his 60th birthday when I interviewed him, I asked him, I said, what does he regret most? Was it the 36 not out, that crawl which earned India, uh, you know, infamy and we got to be known as the dull dogs of of uh, international cricket or what else? And he said, no, this is the, it's the 1980-81 walkout. I almost surrendered the test match because I, I thought at that point in time, almost as if I was bigger than the game. I'm not. You know, I may make mistakes, I may get run out, I may get out, I may play badly, that is fine. But if you stage a walkout, then you take a decision which is really putting your putting you above the game. I thought that was quite profound. Uh, you know, people may agree or disagree, but that's how you know Sunil was a man of his own mind. Sometimes Modi, but at all times, when he had the bat in hand, the commitment, the concentration, the caliber, the class was fantastic. I saw his last innings. Uh, which was 96 at Bangalore against Pakistan. And, uh, you know, there was only one other half century in the match. They did Vengsalkar in the first inning. It was a minefield. Much as we saw in the second match against uh, the, between India and England recently in the day-night match. But on this pitch, the Bangalore pitch where he played his last test match, the ball was turning square and it was a dust bowl. It was a dust bowl. And Iqbal Qasim and Tausif Ahmed were the, were the spinners for... for uh, Pakistan under Imran. And those days, they used to have a test match, a, a rest day in the test match. And I remember the match was very, you know, it, it was very, it was on the razor edge for a while. Because India actually had, had the first lead. And then, of course, Pakistan won the game around. So I went to 
the hotel where the Pakistan team and the Indian team were staying, Western Hotel, if I remember correctly, in Bangalore. And I interviewed Tausif Ahmad and Iqbal Qasim. And they were roomies, as spinners. Those days, people, cricketers shared rooms unless you were the captain. And they won't speak a word to each other. And I was kind of taken aback. I said, guys, why don't you talk about it? He's saying, no, Baba Adam is still playing. Baba Adam meaning Gavaskar, who was 38 years old then. And I said, yeah, but he said, no, you know, our captain, if he doesn't get out, if we don't get him out, then next test will be difficult. That was the dread of the team when Gavaskar was the pitch in the middle. 96. And I remember very distinctly after Pakistan won the match, uh, India lost narrowly by 16 or 17 runs. And Imran Khan, in the, you know, after the match, press conference or whatever, those days, uh, it was in the dressing room that one would go there and, you know, the scribes would all get into a huddle and meet. And he said, this is the finest innings I have seen against Pakistan. Now, he, I don't think he's had reason to change his mind. It was not a century. It was 96. But those were words coming from Imran Khan. And it was, I mean, I think that if I remember the situation correctly, there were, I think, 16 extras or 17 extras with Tausif Ahmad getting the ball to rear off a length, turn, sometimes climb over, you know, almost shoulder height to the batsman. That's how the vicious, the bounce and the bite was. And Gavaskar would just sway out of the way at the last minute and it would beat the wicketkeeper. That was his judgment. That was his skill. So, you know, I haven't seen somebody as technically... Uh, you know, so accomplished from the stands, very still head, the great balance, very decisive footwork, whether he went forward or went back, you know, there was never, and it, the sense of solidity. When Gavaskar was there, you knew that India had a chance. I mean, he gave Indian cricket spine, if I may put it that. Yeah, I mean, we, I mean I see, I've seen the tail end of Gavaskar again. Uh, my understanding of the game wasn't, you know, even close to being defined. I was still, you know, in my teens. Uh, actually, not even teens. I think I was 12 when Gavaskar retired. But uh, let's talk about his captaincy. Again, he, you know, him and Kapil, they've, you know, pretty well documented, have played musical chairs. They were replaced and, you know, and brought into captaincy at each other's expense. Uh how do you look back at Sunny, the captain? I mean, where would you rank him in the annals of Indian Indian cricket captains that you have seen? So again, I think I think where knowledge, tactical knowledge, strategic, you know, de- developing it into strategies. I don't think he was second to anybody. I don't think he had the richness of resources available in Indian cricket today. In the, in terms of, uh, you know, the fast bowlers available, for instance, today, or fielders of the caliber of a Jadeja or a Kohli or Rahani and all these guys. Fielding has become so much better. Uh, was he defensive as a captain compared to yes, I think the ethos of the game has changed. Uh, you know, when Indian, when he, when he played his first series of course India won and won the next series too, beating England in England. But by and large, the thinking used to be that's the best thing you can do. Don't lose. So that kind of thinking prevailed for a heck of a long time. Because, you know, India, I mean, apart from a couple, they, frankly, there was not even a fast bowler who played consistently for India for, say, five years or six years. Till you came, come to Jawagal, Srinath and Venkatesh Prasad. And then, of course, from Zaheer Khan onward, it's a different ball game altogether. Uh, so I think that 
his best spell as a captain and it went back and forth i think it i think indian cricket was riled uh, you know by by provincialism and uh, you know it just seemed like zones were against each other or city politics city cricket politics would wade into the national selection or choice uh, of players and you know people would be even the players would be on at sixes and sevens because not knowing kal kya hoga selectors ke sath but if you look at the way he handled the team in the 1985 world championship of cricket and i know that it is a one day tournament it was absolutely marvelous that time he had a great blend of youth and experience there was azhar shastri shrikant l sivaramakrishnan sadanand vishwanath and then there was mohinder ramanath kapil dev you know gavaskar himself dilip vengsarkar and when he had that kind of chetan sharma of course among the youngsters when he had that kind of balance he was absolutely mar- not a, not a foot put wrong india won all the matches bowled out the opposition in all the matches and then of course he's had some famous wins beating pakistan in india 7980 only a year after uh, you know losing so badly in pakistan in 1978 beating australia in india i mean his record at against uh, visiting teams was always very good so i think in terms of understanding of the game in terms of you know i very famous line not very famous in that sense but uh, which which was told to me by javed miyadad that you know he knows this game talking about gavaskar he knows this game like the back of his hand jaise urdu mein kehte hain wo usse musal kaha wo nas nas janta hai cricket ki aap uske haath you know if you take his hold his hand jitne nas hai aapko dikhti hai wo sab usme cricket mein jo zaruri hoti hai wo sab janta hai that was the level of admiration and respect oh. these pakistani players had for gavaskar so i think in you know, and his stature in the game uh, you know people talk of great openers jack hobbs len hutton he is obviously in the same category and one of my favorite kind of pastimes is to dream of of an indian team where the opening batsmen are sunil gavaskar and virender sehwag that will be something <laughs> so <laughs> so we can we can go on forever but let's wrap this conversation because i know you have an appointment coming up uh, this is a uh, question i've asked many in my tennis podcast even cricket podcast i mean you've covered the game for such a length how has your vantage point as a journalist evolved because there are a lot of new voices in the game and let's use this answer of your response by taking rishabh pant's use case again this guy polarizes the conversation i save this question for the end uh, a lot yeah. of people say there's a method to his madness but then nasir hussain said that's rubbish play the situation so how does ayaz memon you know break down rishabh pant and have you changed the way you look at the game when you see some a talent like this at test cricket well i changed my you know thing with seeing virendra sehwag actually 20 years back when he came because he played the game as he saw he thought it he was a bit of a maverick in those days rishabh pant is the less of a maverick if you ask me what rishabh pant i've i've seen i i think this has been a defining season for rishabh pant he went to australia not secure of a place in the test team so for him again he was one of the beneficiaries of being there not being sent back because the players were retained from the covid threat and then he had there were issues whether he had passed the fitness test properly uh, you know that does he have the wicket keeping skills to earn a place for himself on wicket keeping skills alone or 
you have to look the other way about his wicket keeping and play him only as a batsman and stuff like that. You know, I think this was a this was a season of reckoning for Rishabh Pant. He was no longer the under nineteen, you know, bright boy from the under nineteen team who was so engaging, so uh, so exciting to watch that you forgive a lot of failures and sins because he said, "Nee, nee, bachcha, I'll teach you." This was a, and as I mentioned earlier, this is a very competitive environment in India. Either you're there, I mean, somebody like an Ishan Kishan, who's his, you know, batchmate from the under-19 ranks, is also aspiring to be an India wicketkeeper batsman. So there's a lot of competition going on. What I think happened with Rishabh is, and I think Nasir is right, and this is what I feel. He's learnt in these six months to play the situation rather than play it. Play, be be self-indulgent. Not look for, you know, being a crowd pleaser alone. Not into the gallery, but playing to his strengths without surrendering cricketing intelligence. So you see, even in the century that he made now in the in the last Test match, the first half of that century till the second new ball is taken, he's actually, you know, blocked out most of the deliveries and hit them. And then of course he explodes. He's got this amazing capacity. to just change gears from first gear to fifth gear he goes in a jiffy i mean the temerity of the batsman of pant to reverse sweep james anderson jimmy anderson bowling with the second new ball is you know it just explains to you what his talent is all about but if that talent is not harnessed by himself you don't want an outsider to keep telling pant aisa batting karo aisa mat karo aisa it has to the realization has to come from within and i was speaking to Sh- uh, ravi shastri the, the chief coach of the indian team just this morning in fact and uh, you know one of the as you mentioned a lot of people are is polarizing conversations rishabh pant and saying kya hai was it is it a one series wonder but it's not one series it's two series he's had four half centuries of the century uh, so i what ravi says is quite instructive he said listen when we went to australia he was not you know first choice was the keeper he was not even in the team and then he started working extremely hard on his fitness on getting rid of that puppy fat around his girth and putting in the long hours needed to become better and better and also along the way in that very tough very competitive series ke i have a point to prove you know as a batsman you don't have you know sometimes i feel people are mistaken that you can only after 7 8 years of experience become mature enough to bat like a very good player i don't think that's necessary we just discussed sunil gavaskar at 21 he batted with so much maturity and then never looked back 774 in his first series so there are different kinds of players rohit sharma a bit of a late bloomer in red ball cricket but batting marvelously he must be thinking for to himself today you know i wish i had shown the same application or the same kind of you know engagement with my own skills maybe 5 years back and i would have been sitting somewhere else these things happen i think rishabh pant has that thing has sparked off in him so he's looking fitter in australia he was still making a lot of mistakes as a wicket keeper in this series on tough pitches pitches uh, where the ball was turning square shooting through and god knows what else he doesn't have the finesse ben folks was a classical wicket keeper as we saw perhaps the best in the world this guy is not a classical fabulous wicket keeper he's got his own ways of doing it much like dhoni had but he's got the ability he's got that x factor certainly with the bat in hand and i think this is something that adam gilchrist also tweeted to rishabh pant directly after the the century and it is a match winning 100 he says look 
it's not just about the century it's the situation in which it was made the manner in which it was made and the consequences of that innings which define whether that innings is great and then of course if the player can be can want to become great and if i might say so if if pant improves his wicket keeping skills by another 10 15% you know i think he could be the the adam gilchrist of this generation yeah i think on that note we can wrap this up that was again with pant you know you always get so much more to discuss and he's uh, such a great talent probably along with gil two of the biggest talents india has right now so thank you for for your time i know you have a busy day uh, i think the listenership will ab- absolutely enjoy these takes and hopefully we can have you back on the show Thanks thanks Akib always a pleasure to talk to you